0: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast Classic. Uh, I'm your host, Wayne Lou. I'm joined uh, by Big V. Big V, how you doing, man?
1: Not bad. Making the best of uh, this, you know, unforeseen situation. Uh, but, you know, got a lot of time for TV shows and movies and catching up on all that kind of stuff. I'm now caught up on Mr. Robot and Parks and Rec Um couple seasons into community uh i've wow. been reading some books but yeah keeping myself busy man
0: <laughs> Wow, uh, how about a, you a regular nick nurse over here <laughs> 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 um oddly i don't know i'm finding the days are going by kind of quickly but it's like i'm not doing that much within them they just kind of right. like pass by and like a, a regular rate um but i think yeah. like the
1: biggest thing is routine it's like once you yeah and figure out a new pattern to your day it gets all right like those first few days that first week or so was like all right Mm -hmm. what the hell do i do now
0: yeah because you're like halfway between like am i like in work mode or am i in vacation mode then you gotta settle into like a regular kind of thing yeah yeah um part of my regular routine right now is uh torturing myself and watching (laughs) <laughs> the most infamous loss in Raptor history. Well, can we can we start there? So we're doing the game seven between the Raptors and the Sixers. No, not game seven last year, which would be um, you know not not necessarily something to go back and revisit right now because it's only a year ago. But um, the original game seven against Philly. This is uh what was the exact date of this? May twentieth, two thousand and one. Uh, where the Raptors uh, failed to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, You'll most likely remember it as the game where Vince Carter missed that uh, potential game winner at the final buzzer. Uh, V, I'll just ask you first, like, where were you during all this? Um...
1: I was in Dubai, man. Um, I I was, so I probably became a basketball fan the year before this. Mm -hmm. Um, And, the thing is, in Dubai, it was like you never got to see any live games. And back then, I was just a cricket and soccer fan. But I just so happened to be watching one of those sports channels one day, and this show—I think it was called NBA Action. It was like a half-hour show, um, and it always ended with a top ten countdown. Mm-hmm. And so that's when it was like Vince was all over this top ten countdown week in week out, and so. That's how I became a Raptors fan, just, like, wanting to see Vince on these highlights over and over. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I remember I even back then on PC, I had, the, 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 like, NBA Live 2000 on CD. I used to play that <laughs> all the time. Um, and, yeah, so fast forward to these playoffs. Because of the time difference, these games were happening early in the morning right uh, when I was going to school and I remember you know dial up internet (laughs) trying to get on check the score before I leave and it was it was late fourth and I had to leave I had to catch my bus so I had no idea what was happening um you know do my eight hours at school coming back the whole time I'm just like man what happened did the Raptors win did the Raptors win come back and and then i see on nba.com that vince missed the shot and obviously the raptors are out sixes are through um to be honest at the time i wasn't too sad about it because i was also a huge Allen iverson fan yeah and and just like the the numbers that these two guys were putting up throughout the series it was just super entertaining and for someone that was just like getting into basketball um it was hard not to like be all in on both those guys
0: yeah i mean this was on a, a no loss situation i was thinking midway through this game i was like the officiating looks pretty fair and i'm not one of those conspiracy theorists but i'm just like you know the, if the nba had a choice between ai moving forward or vince moving forward i think they would have been fine with both options um yeah 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 and, and to your point about this the two of them being the focal stars i mean like uh, yeah this is a this is this, these two teams were both, like, one-star teams, right? Uh, and I think maybe one-star teams were way more common back in this era than they are um, today. Obviously, you don't really see much one-star team. But for Philly, like, literally every play went through AI. And it um, you, 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 doesn't surprise you to, to see that he had, like, 54 early in the series. And for the Raptors, not every play went through Vince because he wasn't the point guard like uh, AI was, but... Um, Vince, like, he had 50 point games earlier in the series. He had some massive, uh, like 30 point efforts, close to 40 points. It was like, it, it was really an incredible battle between just like star players. And, you know, honestly, part of me kind of misses that kind of basketball. Do you know what I mean? Like, just like the mm-hmm. best player versus the other best player. And then the rest right. of the team is just kind of around to like set screens and, and make some timely, you know, open shots and stuff like that. But really just mono a mono kind of stuff. Um, so I was kinda of nostalgic for that for that factor, but um yeah. ultimately, like, yo, this game was just stressful, right? Like obviously game sevens are always stressful. It's in Philly too, which as we saw last year's playoffs, uh, it's not easy to go to Philly and win. The Raptors got that one win that they needed, which was Kawhi hitting that game winner in game three. Um, but like everything else, like they got destroyed in Philly in game three. They got destroyed in Philly in game six. That's a really, really um you know, uh, frenzied crowd And I think at this time It was even more that same effect Because, you know, last year It felt like the Philly fans really responded to Embiid, who was, like, mm-hmm. jeering them on And, like, you know, Simmons doesn't really do that as much um, But Jimmy Butler as well Sort of, like, just really playing into the crowd And, like, A.I. is, like, the ultimate Playing into the crowd kind of guy Like, the the famous, like, you know He would cup his hand to his ear And just, like, let, let the fans hear And, like, the fans loved A.I. Too. Yeah. so it was just incredible atmosphere to be honest I'm a little surprised that the Raptors even made it so close um, just based off that um, what was what, what was one thing that really struck you when you when you watched it back especially at the start of the game
1: so I actually had a lot of time yesterday because I was on hold with service Canada for like three hours okay um, trying to get my shit sorted out and um, so I actually ended up going back and watching game two of this series as well. Oh, and sure. so one thing that's interesting that I found was the series starts off with uh, George Lynch starting for the Sixers mm-hmm. and he's primarily defending Vince. Yep. And um, it seems like both games one and two, he he picked up early foul trouble. Then he got injured. Um, and in that game too, Jermaine Jones provided a bit of a spark in that game. And mm-hmm. so I think that's what ultimately led to him being in the starting lineup. And, and then Aaron McKee ended up being in the starting lineup in place of Eric, Eric Snow. Uh-huh. And I think w- that really helped Philly. It, it was almost like they uh, suddenly you know, spaced out the floor by accident because you think about guys like Aaron McKee and Jermaine Jones. For that time, like their shooting was pretty good mm-hmm. um, compared to Eric Snow and George Lynch anyway. Um, so offensively, I thought it gave them a boost. Defensively, You know, probably around the same. Um, And so uh, I thought that was something that sort of played into their hands that they probably weren't even planning for. And it just worked out that way. Uh, And that's probably why the Raptors made the adjustment too, of you know, Chris Childs going out of the starting lineup and Molt Pete coming in Mm. um, and get a bit more size in there. So uh, I think... You know, the things that stand out to me is like you, you're watching these end of quarters. There's clearly no concept of the two, two for one back then. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, just all around, like you said, in terms of the one on one, a lot of ISO for Iverson, a lot of ISO for Vinso. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, just just clunky and clunky in general. Um, and you're thinking about the guys that Iverson is playing with. I mean, Nick Nurse would have boxed and won the hell out of that now. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so uh you know I, I think overall you know you look at it was a throwback to how important the big men were back then as well yeah um still like you look at the impact Kembe Mutombo had on that game um and then I don't know if we want to get into this now but I thought you know as much as we talk about the Vince shot at the end mm-hmm. um Antonio Davis like that knock he picked up on, on his left shoulder yeah um, or his hand in general like I thought that really impacted the game because those minutes that he went out um really hurt the team in that third and fourth quarter
0: yeah no for sure I mean well two things with the injuries that that was really impressive to me um one the fact that ad picked out that injury but he came back into the game and then hit two clutch <laughs> jumpers down the stretch uh you know as you mentioned like he was he was I mean Vince was the best player like his and he was definitely getting double team and stuff like that but like Antonio Davis was really, really good. Like, maybe if we're drawing comparisons to 2019 Game 7, Antonio Davis is like a a souped-up Serge Ibaka in this case. Just, like, (laughs) hitting every jumper, no fear whatsoever, a veteran coming in, playing some pretty good defense as well. And as you mentioned, he only, like, despite the injury and despite the fact he had foul trouble, he had four fouls early in the third quarter and then a fifth foul early in the the fourth quarter, he still plays 41 minutes. um, But in those seven minutes... Right. That the, the, he sat, the Raptors were minus 12. He was a plus 11 in his 41 minutes. So it's almost inconceivable that they actually lost this game. Um, so it was, it was impressive yeah. to me, like just how important AD was, how much he really stepped up in this case. And, uh, his skill set just really fit what the Raptors needed in this moment because both teams kind of went to the same approach. Like, uh, the, the Raptors aggressively double team Allen Iverson and the Sixers aggressively double team Vince Carter. And so, they were really trying to force them to become playmakers. And AD was really, really well-suited to hitting that pick-and-pop jumper to just, like, you know, when when Vince would be swarmed and stuff like that, AD would be open. Uh, And then the other injury, really, was AI picks up, like, he he goes up for a floater, he ends up missing it, and he lands on his tailbone. And you could see him wincing throughout, like, most of the second half. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. yo, this is, like, a huge break. Like, the Raptors, I mean, it sucks for AI, but you got to capitalize on that. Um, but instead it was, it's so incredible to me that in that third quarter, even after landing on his tailbone, he's able to hit a jumper. He's able to coast in for a layup. He's able to block Alvin Williams in transition, like a chase down block. And all this while he's like wincing after every single play. So yeah, huge respect to, again, just like the fact that game seven, like you put it all on the line and like, this is one of those exhaustive efforts where y- you look at both teams. They really did put their all on the floor. Um, you know, in, in terms of uh, the the rosters as it was, you know, it was weird to me because, as you mentioned earlier, Dikembe, I walked away from this game so impressed but also so not impressed with Dikembe, I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> like, I, I do not even want to make this comparison because it's so lazy, but, like, he reminds me so much of Bismack Biombo, like, almost in every single skill set, you know what I mean? Like... This is right. 2016 Bismack Biombo against the Cavs, where he's 2 of 7 for 10 points. He's getting 6 of 10 from the free throw line. But he has 17 rebounds and 9 offensive. And as a defensive mm-hmm. presence, even though he only has one block, was just absolutely vital in shutting off the the, the paint. The Raptors really couldn't get into the paint. And I felt, I felt like that's really one of the major reasons they lost. is just they had to hit a bunch of jumpers. Yeah, I mean, Vince really didn't have any free throw attempts, right? I mean go back I can't remember
1: him getting to the line that often um but yeah again I think it goes back to uh the start of the game I look at Iverson Dikembe setting the tone defensively and they jump out to that early lead and I think in a game seven when you're always sort of playing from behind and exhausting so much energy that way it just, you know, especially when you're on the road, I think that home team just gains that little extra confidence that it's sort of their night. And and frankly, that was Iverson's season, right? Like, oh yeah, that was the year he was MVP, he was all-star game MVP, scoring champion. Um, so, you know, obviously he believed, like, everything was going to work out for him. But, um, yeah, I think when I look at, you know, obviously there's the narrative of the graduation and all that type of stuff, but I didn't I didn't feel like Vince played uh, all too differently than what I saw in game two. Mm. Um, and, I mean, frankly, if there is a bone to pick, I'd probably say his defense. I thought, yeah. you know, I, yep. I thought he, sh- he should have given more. Like, the number of shots he gave Aaron McKee wide open <sighs> and wasn't even like looking to contest. That, that was the thing that bothered me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought offensively, you know, I think both teams made it clear that they were going to say, Hey, I mean, the Raptors were saying anyone, but AI, um, the Sixers were saying anyone, but Vince. Mm-hmm. And so I thought Vince did a good job of, you know, distributing the ball, ball getting other guys involved. And, you know, we saw Alvin hit some big shots. Mo Pete had a couple of nice stretches. Um, and so offensively, you know, I don't think there's too much I could complain about, but um, defensively, I thought he was really lacking, and you know, I don't know if that's focus or intensity or whatever it is, but uh, yeah, I thought he gave Aaron McKee way too much space.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, man, because I mean, obviously, I went into this game knowing the context of the graduation and the fact that he misses the final shot, and of course, it's Vince, too, and I haven't watched a lot of prime Vince, so I wanted to really focus on him. And, you know, you're absolutely right. The defense is really what um, what really put me off. Like, the it's not even necessarily, you know, um, a, a lack of willingness to defend. It's just, like, the intensity wasn't there. Like, everyone else was playing at a Game 7 intensity, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Allen Iverson, like, literally falls on his tailbone and is playing the whole game. And yeah. um, all these other guys are doing whatever. AD gets, hurts his uh, his his hand, and he comes back into the game still. Um, Vince, like, just defensively, that intensity just wasn't there. I wouldn't say it's DeMar DeRozan-esque, mm-hmm. but, you know, I would say when Vince gave his most effort in this game uh, was, you know, trying to really jump and use his athleticism to get blocks at the rim. Yeah. didn't really yeah. successfully do that. Whereas the Raptors, what they really needed him to do was just key in, not even necessarily off the ball, but just, like, on his own man. Uh, to your point, yeah. down the stretch in the second half, he gets crossed up by Aaron McKee. He gets bodied by Aaron McKee on a baseline drive where Vince kind of semi flops, but of course they're not calling that in, in a game seven setting on the road, and McKee is mm-hmm. able to you know get in the baseline uh you know and, and drive in for a layup. This is like three minutes left in the game. He gets caught in a screen and he lets McKee hit an open jumper. This is again still in the fourth quarter, and then he doesn't box out McKee with forty seconds left. Like, literally, he's just on the weak side. All you got to do is box out your man in that situation. He just completely doesn't. Like, it doesn't register in his mind to box out McKee, and McKee gets a key offensive rebound. This isn't a three-point game with 40 seconds left, or a one-point game with 40 seconds left. Like, you cannot give up that rebound whatsoever. So I was, I kind of walked away kind of disappointed in Vince. Like, offensively, offensively it's, you know, whatever. Like, he, he was double-teamed the whole time, so yeah. um, he didn't force a shot that much. He didn't really have the three-point shot going. Um, so that's whatever. Um, but you know, he had nine assists, which was a was a high for him in the seven game series. But it was it was kind of different from the earlier games, and I'm really happy you watched the earlier games again because you know maybe you can compare the difference. But you know, in the first game first six games of the series, he averages thirty two points per game. Uh in those games he took twenty nine attempts, twenty six attempts, twenty nine attempts, twenty seven attempts, thirty one attempts. One of those games he was under twenty, but that was game five when they got just blown up by like thirty. Um and mm-hmm. for that season he averaged 27.6 points per game and he was one of the best scorers in the NBA. In this one he only takes 18 shots uh and he plays all 48 minutes. Um so to you like is this more reflection of the way Philly changed their defense to really gear in on Vince or is this maybe a sign of other things?
1: Um I think I would say the Sixers' defense was a was, was the biggest factor, but I would also say that um, it almost like lulled him to sleep. It was almost to a point where, you know, it, he just had it in his mind that okay, they're coming at me with a double team every single time, so uh, I'm just going to trust my teammates. And I think maybe when you look back, uh, you know, especially knowing what we know now, like there were definitely possessions where it was like, okay, hey, you have got the advantage here. Uh, yep. go for it like I, I think there was definitely so there was one possession i remember where uh there was a switch and he had tyrone hill mm-hmm. um a center on him uh, on the perimeter and charles oakley had the switch on to aaron mckee in the post mm-hmm. and vince just sort of dumped it off and it was like dude yeah you're the one with the advantage there yeah and so you know at the end of the day you know vince if he wanted could have crossed up tyrone hill easy got to the basket probably gets fouled Mm -hmm. um so there were definitely a couple possessions like that where you know maybe if you want to contrast with iverson it was like any moment that iverson was like oh they're guarding me one-on-one yep i'm i'm taking this to the basket I'm, i'm getting my shot off whatever it is and so maybe vince wasn't you know as aggressive in terms of identifying those opportunities and i think this goes back to we learned it with Demar in Game Seven against Indiana. We learned it with Kawhi with his Game Seven against Philly. You gotta empty the clip in yep. this scenario. Yep. And I, I definitely wouldn't attribute that to Vince in this game.
0: Yeah, exactly. And um, that 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 market difference in approach, as you mentioned between him and AI, is just completely different. Look, I'm not saying AI had a great game necessarily, right? Because if you look at the and, numbers, we're, and we're
1: not saying that Vince is the reason that the Raptors lost no, this game
0: either. No. I mean, first off, the Raptors aren't even in a Game 7 without Vince doing what he did throughout the course of the series. All right, The Raptors aren't even in the playoffs without Vince doing what he was doing. So, like, it's not yeah. fair to just focus on this one thing. But I do think it's kind of interesting in terms of their approaches. Because AI, you know, he comes up... If Vince hits that shot at the end, everyone's slandering AI for shooting 8 of 27. And people are hailing Vince. For playing the team game and trusting his teammates and then hitting the big shot at the end, all right. So it's like narratives really shift on the fact that the ball moved like two inches uh, too far, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's probably the same way for uh, what happened last year, and that's how championships are won. But nevertheless, I thought AI's approach was just completely different, as you mentioned, right? Because he shoots eight of twenty-seven from the field. That's under thirty percent. That's not good, right? He only gets to right. the free throw line four times. It's a really inefficient game from AI. But what he's able to do when you watch this game was he was just always a threat. Like, even though the Raptors sent double teams at him, I thought Alvin Williams did a pretty good job defending him. Um, I thought the defense around him was pretty good. There was good paint protection as well to force AI to finish, you know, difficult floaters and stuff like that um but he was just aggressive and at time like after time there was no let up by AI to, in terms of how he approached this game and it's not even just the 16 assists which uh is a comical number cuz like <laughs> i mean there was only 32 well, field considering goals considering the final score <laughs> yeah bro they only made 32 field goals AI had eight of field goals made and 16 assists so how does that even add up um but it was like because he drove, that created opportunities for the rest of the Sixers to come in for offensive rebounds and get second chance possessions. And those aren't even assists. I guess those are now called Kobe assists or whatever. But um, yeah, like that was also a part of the rap of the, of the Sixers' offense was just collapsing the paint and allowing their you know athletes to get it. And really, if you look at their athletes, like they had, I would say, even though the Raptors had more skilled offensive big men, the Sixers had just better athletes in the front court. Like, the Kembe was, like, yeah. far and away just dominant physically. He got every single board. He got nine offensive rebounds, and a lot of those went for, directly for putbacks or for free throws right afterwards. And the guys like AD and Charles Oakley, like, they just couldn't hold him whatsoever. And then, you know, Jerome Williams, he comes off the bench, and he just did, did nothing. Um, so, mm-hmm. I don't know. Actually, I, I appreciate AI for Pretty those.
1: bad mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, there was, there was that one turnover that he had um, after the Raptors secured the rebound where he was trying to pass it to Alvin Williams just mm-hmm. to bring the ball up the court and threw it away. And those, and th- I think that that's another thing that stands out. Um, when you look at what this team did in this game, like, just the general lack of execution, the bad turnovers, the careless mistakes, like, you have to do better in a Game 7. Like, I, I remember Chris Childs throwing a wild alley-oop from mm-hmm. the backcourt trying to find Jerome Williams. I mean... Yeah, he wasn't even open, man. I, yeah, he wasn't open. And, I mean, Doug Collins right in that moment is like, hey, man, like, game seven, you're down five on the road. That is just not a play you attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, you, when considering the veterans around Vince, um, I thought I, I thought that was the thing that was probably uh, most disappointing as well. The fact that they didn't handle the situation better. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. But you know, uh, at the same time though, I, I did feel like some of the other guys came, came down to one shot. Well, exactly? It came down came to one down shot, to and one some shot. of the guys did hit some big shots, right? Like big shot at the, yeah. to Del Curry. All right, because the 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 Sixers are up four with under a minute left. The Raptors get a a stop. They get the rebound. They're in semi transition. Del Curry with fifty seconds left. Again, what the what the Raptors down four? If he misses a shot, game's pretty much over. Right, but he's like in semi transition. He's like, "Yeah, I'll pull up, I'll pull up for three. I'm not even gonna give Vince the shot. Nothing like I'm not gonna pass the ball. Yeah, I'm Del Curry, and he hits that shot um, in transition. Which again, the closeout was very close too to make it 88 to 87 for Philly with under a minute left. Um, And he pulled a step. He did. He literally pulled a step, and you can hear Mike Breen on the call, and Mike Breen's calling this game for NBC. But he says, "Bang, Curry from downtown," and I'm like, "Oh, well, this is yeah, that's amazing." That's that's really yeah. amazing. Um, so yeah, big shout out to Del Curry. I thought, you know, in terms of the other supporting casts, I think it, given the the relative caliber of players that we're talking about, they did okay. Like I said, you know, or we already talked about AD and the fact that he had 23 points and 11-15 shooting. That's as good as you can imagine. Charles Oakley, you know, he could have done a little bit better in terms of, like, holding down the fort defensively. Looked kind of old and stiff. But, ultimately, he gives you 11 and 10 with four assists and two steals in 38 minutes. Like, that's not terrible. Alvin Williams, I think defensively, you know, offensively he only has eight points on four of 11 shooting. But defensively against AI, did as good of a job as you can really reasonably ask for. AI shot, you know, know, 30% from the field. Mo Pete, okay, weird that he started. But in the second half, he comes in, bangs three jumpers, gives the Raptors uh, a huge boost, and the Raptors are able to overcome this deficit. And even Chris Childs comes off the bench. You know, in the I thought, honestly, the, this game was really threatening to become a blowout in the first half because the Sixers were up, like, 29 to 14 or whatever. And Chris Childs kind of did that J.J. Redick mm-hmm. thing in last year's Game 7 where it was like, all right, well, we're down. We're going to come in to this, this veteran. He's going to have ultimate confidence he's played in the playoffs before he's hit big shots in the playoffs before i'm going to come in and bang a couple of jumpers to get my team back into the game and so i thought even chris Childs was okay really so yeah i don't know no no
1: no i i should say it's probably in you know reference to the start of that game right. and where that's where you expect like the veterans to be like okay you know we're going to take care of business we're going to you know be smart with the basketball and all of that um but yeah pretty much from the start of the third quarter, like, that was a different team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the first half, uh, the Raptors that showed up, I thought that was pretty disappointing. But, yeah, from the second half o- onwards, like, that was the team that you maybe expected to see right from the start of the game. And I thought the execution was much better on both ends of the floor. And that's probably probably why they came back uh, and were able to make it close in the end. Um, But, yeah, ultimately, I think, you know, in a game where both teams were sort of trying to take away the other team's superstar mm-hmm. it was going to come down to who who made which of the role players made bigger plays and then you look at some of those jumpers that eric snow made oh my God. Uh, you look at some of those shots that um,
0: you know those are the ones that that really hurt eric snow man <laughs> okay but here's the thing <laughs> I didn't watch a lot of basketball at this time, so like my impression of Eric <laughs> Snow was like Cavs Eric Snow, and I'm like, he's not gonna do anything in this game. And then he comes off the bench, and like in the fourth quarter, he hits a whole bunch of like open top of the floor jumpers, and like just to support um, support AI. And I'm like, damn, like this guy's killing us, man. Yeah, uh, I guess yeah. this was his peak too, because he was averaging this season, oh, well, ten points a game. He was, like, a consistent, like, 12-point-per-game <laughs> guy, but, like, yeah, man, like, it's mostly... I, I, I knew mean, 10 was, points a
1: game back then was, like, a solid 15-16 now.
0: That's fair. That's fair. And he was a good defender. I thought he, <laughs> he played good defenses in this game, too, but, yeah, um, definitely the supporting players for, this, for Philly definitely stepped up here. And I honestly just think that, like, you know, it, it ultimately is a really, really close game, and uh, it, it's just... You know, these are just the margins, and, and and we understand that, especially now that the Raptors have won the championship. You have some very, very narrow margins, and this is literally a one-point loss on the road. Honestly, the Raptors, it's not like they came and embarrassed themselves whatsoever. Like, it sucks that they missed a shot. It sucks that um, the franchise started going downhill after this point uh, because Vince gets hurt mm. and, you know, like, uh, they make some bad signings. They trade picks for Dikembe. Uh, or not Dikembe. They, they, make, they trade some picks for um, Hakeem. And, yeah. you know, eventually Vince leaves and, and, and T-Mac leaves and it's like you have nothing left. Um, but it's not like they embarrass themselves. And I, I always thought that there was just like some sort of big choke job or whatever. Didn't really feel that way. So, um, no. before we get to three stars, is there any other, anything else that really stood out to you?
1: Um, I, w- I would just go back to that game too and say that that was a real missed opportunity. I mean... The Raps were up one nothing in the series. Uh, they jumped out to the early lead. We're up 35-21 in the second quarter. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just thought they kind of let go of the rope there. Maybe it was just the confidence they were feeling themselves a little bit coming off the win against the Knicks, then going up one nothing, Now they've got a big lead again. Um, and then Iverson kind of took over. He had 54 in that game. So I thought I thought that was a missed opportunity. That, w- that was the game where I was watching and I'm like, man, the Raptors have re- have really have control here. And then they were the ones that let it slip. Um, and this, this game I thought was kind of the opposite where I thought like Billy was in control most of the way and then the Raptors were the ones who made that push.
0: Right, right. Yeah, it man. By the way, watching that game too,
1: just to give you a sign of the times and how things have changed, uh-huh. Iverson drove to the rim. And the commentator literally said, "Iverson driving in unmolested."
0: Word. <laughs> was it a, was it Marv Albert? <laughs> uh, oh my god! No, uh, I don't even want to that Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. It's it's been cool. Not not just with the Jordan doc. Um, but just like seeing this era, because again, like, okay, at this point I was in Canada, but I wasn't consuming a lot of popular media. Wasn't even a fan of the Raptors, wasn't really watching. Didn't think I had cable, to be honest. So I wasn't really fully aware, and I didn't really remember some of the fashion and stuff like that. So it, it, it's just kind of like a cool flashback to like look back at, like, oh, like AI has a, a Chinese character on his neck, like tattooed. <laughs> uh, that was real popular back then. Uh, at least his, like, it, it, it you know, it's. it's it, was like the correct character it didn't say pork fried rice or whatever it said loyal which i thought was really cool actually looked pretty good on ai to be honest um he had the answer um what what would you really even call that like an elbow like not the elbow sleeve because he wore that on a shooting arm but like um he had another one that was kind of like a tennis kind of wristband but he wore it around his elbow and it said the answer on there that was pretty cool um and then yeah, the, just the fashion of the guys on the bench, man. Everybody looked like, every, I don't know, everyone looked like MJ, like just like big ass suits and like they kind of were boxy and looked like Lego characters. Yeah, so yeah, 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 it was fun to look back. All right, so three stars for this game for the Raptors. Um, who would you give the first star to?
1: Man, I think I might go with Antonio Davis. Yeah, I agree. Like I thought he was. Incredible, um, you know, making those big shots that we talked about, um, just looking like the sort of heart and soul of the team. Yeah, I know a lot of people sort of associate that with Alvin Williams from that team, but I thought, you know, the hunger, the fight that he showed, um, you know, taking like I, I, I don't know what happened in terms of the injury, mm-hmm. um, but it seemed like he popped his shoulder or something happened there. Yeah. Um, and so for him to keep battling through that and be like, "No, we got to get this win. Uh, we can, you know, we can worry about whatever happens happens after after." Um, yeah, I, I would give the first start to him.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I was just I was overall impressed by his skill level, man. Because early in the game, he had he had a face up game, like he could face up, jab step, and then fade away for a jumper, and I'm like. I, I you you look at him because he's built so solid and, and you know, just maybe because I'm used to watching so much basketball nowadays where big men really aren't making these kind of moves. But I was like, wow, this guy hit the mid-range is on lock. Like he could really make a couple of moves. I mean, this was a year he made the all-star uh, team too. So if it, it felt like he was a baseline driving dunk. Yeah, 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 that one too. And it's just like, yo, wow, this guy really has some skills. Sure. And whatever, it doesn't take much to stop Dikembe Matumbo in the post. Like Dikembe really has big back like, Biombo's post game where like if he he brings the ball low and gets stripped, he'll like uh lose the ball going up and like bop it off someone's head. Like Dikembe was a hilarious post player. They really did feed him in the post quite a bit for a guy who clearly doesn't have a post game. But uh, AD did a pretty good job, generally speaking, in terms of uh, defending um, Dikembe whenever Dikembe got the ball to shoot, too. So, um, I agree, man. 23 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal, 2 blocks, 11 of 15 shooting in 41 minutes, a plus 11. Honestly, if he doesn't get hurt and has to sit or if he doesn't get into some foul trouble, like, he, you know, the Raptors probably swing this game. AD was really, really good, man. And consistently good throughout the game. Like, he was really the steadying force early on and was, you know, one of the clutch scorers later in the game. So, um, sec- yeah. second star is much tougher for me since I want to give it to Vince, but I don't feel fully sure of it because I, I just, there's something about this right. game with Vince that it just doesn't sit right with me. Um, so, I might, yeah. I, I, oh man, I might honestly have to give this one to like either Alvin Williams or Del Curry, which sounds insane, really, because Del Curry is. Seven points in 17 minutes off the bench. Yeah, he's a plus seven. Yeah, he hits a clutch three, but he didn't even factor that much into this one. Um, And then Alvin Williams, he goes scoreless in the first half. But, you know, I will give him the second start because in the third quarter, he and Mo Pete start hitting some shots. Both of them were scoreless as starters in the first half. Second half, the third quarter, they come out hot. They give the Raptors the lead. And I thought Alvin just threw out, played pretty good man defense against AI. Like, AI, obviously, this is prime AI, like, He's like he's stepping over, you know, Tyron Liu and shit. Like this is like incredible AI. He has 50 points earlier in the series. Um, for Alvin to hold him to what eight of 27 shooting, like it's mm-hmm. pretty good. And he had multiple blocks on AI as well. So I don't know. Maybe I'm a little flagrant for that, but I'm giving Alvin Williams a second star.
1: I, I think I it's a toss up between Vince and AI uh, and uh, Alvin. is, mm-hmm. again, you look at the key to the Raptors winning that game, like they were gonna have to take ai out of the game yeah. and so the person who's at the forefront of that plan is alvin so uh again to hold him to eight of 27 now if guys like, like Jermaine jones and eric snow and mckee just hit shot after shot after shot you can't really put that on alvin mm-hmm. so um yeah i'm with you and yeah again the the shots that he made um early in the third to help give the raptors some momentum mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a toss up between Vince and Alvin for me, but yeah, I can I can definitely see uh, the case for going with Alvin.
0: Right. Um, and then yeah, Vince Carter, twenty points, seven rebounds, nine assists, three steals, two blocks, uh, <laughs> pretty good. Um, but six of eighteen. Gotta got respect. Gotta
1: respect that he played all forty-eight minutes.
0: Yeah, he did. He really did. Um, and even to my point earlier, I was like I didn't feel like he was playing that great defensively. He still has three steals and two blocks, like. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing. When a superstar is a superstar, you really believe that he's capable of doing anything. Right? And you kind of expect him to do everything in that in that sense. And that's and I think that's probably why I walking away, you know, a little bit disappointed cuz um yeah, it's just like when you compare what Kawhi did in game 7 versus what Vince did in game 7, obviously totally different situations, but um yeah, it's, it's clear. There's 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 definitely levels. Uh, in terms of the Gerald Henderson Award, man, there's a lot of options here because, as we mentioned, um, a lot of guys for Philly really stepped up. But for me, it has to be Jermaine Jones because, A, mm-hmm. never heard of Jermaine Jones. B, I don't think he really did much in the NBA. And when I looked it up, this season, Jermaine Jones averaged 4.7 points per game, uh, did not start. Now, as you mentioned, George Lynch gets hurt, so they need someone to fill in. Um, but Jermaine Jones, more than filled in. All right, Jermaine Jones had 16 points and four rebounds, 6-9 shooting. I would say he was like if you combined both Mike Scott and James Ennis into one player in last year's uh, series against the Sixers. And if you took both <laughs> those contributions, mixed in a little Greg Monroe as well, and I'm like, yo, this guy was – because you just didn't expect him to do anything. And the fact that he gave you 16 points, which is the third leading scorer on the Sixers – efficiently and he put a lot of guys in foul trouble like he gave ad his fifth foul and and made him sit like wow he was he was really good for a guy who i thought was just nobody you know
1: yeah i think it's got to be jermaine jones for sure and then you know i thought even those minutes that he played against the raptors second unit i thought um you could see the frustration the team kind of had with jerome williams Mm -hmm. in those situations because I mean that's that's where again that spacing kind of helped Philly right because JYD J- J- was just uh, too big to kind of guard him and so uh, Damian Jones was making cuts getting open shots um, sort of beating him in transition kind of thing and so I, th- I thought for sure he, he he gets the Gerald Henderson I mean that's not the type of guy you want to get beat by in a game seven but Bro. ultimately
0: he was a difference maker. This is why home court advantage is important too because you get hustle guys who yeah, uh, at home are entirely different than the hustle guys on the road. Um, mm-hmm. And you look at it, if this game was at home, probably JYD is the one having 16 points off the bench, <laughs> you know, right. with the surprise contribution. But instead, he goes on the road, he plays 16 minutes, has zero points, has three fouls. Um, yeah, it, it sucks. But honestly, a lot of good candidates. Because again, it was mostly... It wasn't AI beating the, the Raptors necessarily. It was the 16 assists as a reflection of how much everyone else around him uh, stepped up, right? Like, Eric Snow. There's yeah. a real good case to give Eric Snow that Gerald Henderson because he hit a whole bunch of clutch jumpers in the fourth quarter that ultimately, I think he had the game-winning basket. Um, you know, you look at, uh, okay, Tyrone Hill, not so much, but Aaron McKee, Aaron McKee played out of his mind. And yeah, in the fourth quarter, he outplayed Vince. Like, he bullied Vince. He literally knocked him over on yeah. a drive and finished with a layup. Like, I don't know what do you call that other than bullying. So, wow. yeah, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, did you know that Aaron McKee won
1: the uh, sixth man of the year that season? No. No. Yeah. I, I so, this guy I, stepped into his starting role and just dominated, man.
0: And this is another guy where I'm like, didn't know he was that good. And then I looked up the numbers. <laughs> he wasn't that good. <laughs> 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 like he was also having, I think, a career year. He averaged eleven points, eleven point six points per game that season. Uh, he came off the bench uh, like forty three games, as compared to thirty three starts. Shot forty seven percent from the field. Honestly, pretty good as a guard. To be, honest. he has a little varied game. I can kind of see it, but yeah. Uh, you you,
1: you want to hear something wild? What? Um, you know, you know that list I made of like the most points by a trio
0: yeah.
1: in, in NBA playoffs. Wait, oh, yeah, hold, uh, hold on. Who, who was this, at the top of that list? Uh, the Toronto Raptors mm. with Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, and Kyle Lowry.
0: Okay. So most points uh, of all
1: time. A 32, yeah, beat a 32-year year record held by the Celtics. Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and Tennis Johnson.
0: Mm.
1: thought that was noteworthy. Um, but what's wild is Iverson scored so much in these playoffs... That Philly was 18th on that list. <laughs> Yo, that's unbelievable, man. <laughs> so the, the trio the trio of Iverson, McKee, and Dikembe Motombo is 18th on that list.
0: <laughs> Yo, that's actually insane, man. But man, so much respect to AI, man. Just he's incredible, like, man.
1: To put it in perspective, they are 18th in 19th and 20th are the 16 and 17 Cavs with LeBron Kyrie and Kevin Love. Bro.
0: Okay. <laughs> and that that was an era where people shot threes too. No, no one really shot threes like that in this time.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah,
0: that's, that's wild. That, that is wild. AI for this uh playoff run, seven hundred and twenty three points scored. <laughs> that's nuts, man. Um uh, yeah, okay, so uh Patrick Patterson award. Oh man. Um, we're gonna get this to Vince, what are we saying? <laughs>
1: no honestly i'm gonna go with jyd yeah jyd one point two rebounds 16 minutes just really didn't provide much this is Um, literally a
0: patrick patterson stat line
1: yeah there there were better days ahead for sure yeah uh but this 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 was not
0: uh not something he'll put down in his raptors history too much (laughs) yeah yeah it was disappointing for sure but again like You know, okay, I was joking about the Vince thing, but really, the only reason you would give it to Vince is, I think, the legacy of it, right? Because all people really remember from this game is not Antonio Davis having 23 points. It's not about Charles Oakley looking stiff, but also being a pretty weirdly shrewd passer. Um, It's not about Al Williams' defense. It's not about all this other stuff, clutch shots by Del Curry or Chris Childs. It's really about Vince. I think that's the legacy of this thing. It's because, you know, he never played in a bigger game than this for the rest of his career. And, it, you know, um, he's, like, yeah, he's played, like, 20-plus years. Um, but this was the biggest game of his life that and, and he ever played in. And all people ever remember is that he missed the final shot and the circumstances of the graduation, which I also went back to look at because I wanted to make sure that it wasn't – I don't know. if I, want, I wanted to make sure that if I'm talking about this game, I, I knew what was going on. And there's, there was lots of reporting, of a lot of, lot of coverage. So the context here is that Vince – You know, he promised his mom that he would graduate, which I think is (laughs) extremely noble. And that uh, obviously a lot of athletes, you know, make this promise to their parents, um, but they don't ultimately go back and complete it. Uh, Vince, I think he played three years in college, and then he did the last year on correspondence. But still, you know, it's great that he achieved this. And it's just unfortunate that the day of the graduation was the same day of Game 7. Again, I'm sure he didn't plan it this way. He had no chance to do so. Um, But... This is a decision that, you know, I don't fault Vince at all for making for himself. All right. I, I just think that, like, this is a very important day. This is a very important day for his family. He went with his mom. Um, and the Raptors, you know, Larry Tannenbaum actually, you know, allowed Vince to use the private jet so that he could go to North Carolina to uh, go to, um, you know, commencement and then was able to come back. So the timeline here is that he arrived on campus by 8.30 a.m. So you can mm. imagine, right, that it's uh, from Philly to North Carolina, probably an hour-long flight. So he's probably getting to the airport probably like 7 o'clock um, and waking up even earlier before that. But whatever, he gets to the campus by 8.30. He uh, He's there for maybe like 40 minutes, and then he returns and gets back to Philly, lands around 12.30, and gets to the arena by about 1, one o'clock. So he – and the game, by the way, that game was played 5.30 p.m. in the afternoon. So there was enough time for him to recuperate. Um, you know, this is for example, just to put into context, like obviously different situations, but when Fred, uh, was expecting, uh, Fred junior, the second child, when, when when Fred junior came, like the schedule for him was way crazier than this. Like he was in between cities, driving between cities, flying between cities, staying overnight at the hospital, taking a nap before a game, hitting seven threes against the bucks. Like, you know, like there's almost, it's hard to correlate these things, but at the same time, like this is the timeline. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's just unfortunate that, you know, the circumstances were what they were just because um, it's just a, a lingering point of bitterness. Like, recently, Charles Oakley come, uh, did an interview, I think, on Tim and Sid. and was asked about it, and Oakley said, quote, no doubt that the Raptors win Game 7 if Vince skipped out on the commencement. And Oakley said that Vince made the right decision for himself, but it wasn't necessarily a team decision. Right. And, and Vince, you know, he says he doesn't regret doing it. He says, I got... I got to fulfill the ultimate high and the ultimate low all in one day, um, but yeah, like I don't know. What do you, you what are your thoughts on this situation? Because it it sucks. I don't like prying people into people's private lives, but at the same time, before Game Seven, I could see why people are upset.
1: Yeah, I mean, I fully respect the decision. I mean, just from my own personal experience, I didn't care too much to go to my graduation, but I went because you know at the end of the day. I know it meant a lot to my parents Mm -hmm. because, you know, they came to this country, they sacrificed a lot to come here. And that was like a big moment for them. Right. Yeah. And so that's why, so I can completely see why he wanted to do that for his mom. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't have any complaints about him doing that at all. Um, but I do see the other side of it. I mean, I remember reading a while back that Vin said, Oh, you know, he asked, you know, the guys on the team, if anyone had a problem with it. Mm-hmm. And he said, No one said anything back then. But I also remember Alvin Williams saying, Yeah, that's true. Vince did ask us, but it was also a situation where we're not going to tell another man what to do in a situation like that. That's and we just hoped that he would make the best decision, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the team kind of thing. And so, yeah, absolutely. You know, he did what was best for him. Um, I don't. I, I think I think it is unfair to associate the graduation with it. But at the same time, you know, one thing I've always said is there are so many sort of permutations and combinations of how uh, things can affect your gameplay, mm. which is why I think in general NBA players, most NBA players love to keep a routine. Right, right. And so I think when you do things to throw off that routine, then I think the likelihood of that. Of having an off night just goes up, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, I think at the end of the day, he did what was best for him. When you consider all the factors, was it in the best interest of the team? Maybe
0: not. Right. Look at you saying computations and permutations like you're a, Cly- <laughs> a real Clyde over here, <laughs> like I'm watching the MSG broadcast. Um, yeah, absolutely, man, and. I just think it's kind of lame to 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 focus that much about it. I mean, I would much rather focus on his approach in the game and how he played. And if you want to say Vince didn't play his best game, that Vince that didn't necessarily play the type of game that you need to win a game seven, I could entertain those arguments. I could see it. And what ultimately, what we're talking about is basketball. This is just this is not basketball. This is life, and sometimes life is real messy, you know. Yeah, you know, uh, and yeah, you, you you have situations where the biggest game of your career is also um, probably one of the biggest days of your life. And so, yeah, I, I just ultimately feel for him, you know what I mean? And, and and for the family and whatever. The rest of the Vince stuff, I mean, I think at the time, people really thought about superstars in a different way than they do now. There's more of an acceptance now of superstars doing what they want. Superstars basically making their decisions, and it's expected, and no one's shocked. I think people really, especially in Toronto, like we just didn't fully grasp that at the time so small things like vince's mom wanting a parking spot or some shit like that like people really did um yeah i don't know but
1: yeah that was wild
0: yeah why couldn't you have a parking spot man yeah like what's the big deal what's going on um you can't comp her yeah, parking yeah. like come on bro <laughs> what are you saying yeah. that see that's more on the raptors than it is on vince all right i don't care yeah <laughs> no for sure absolutely and i remember like for me again
1: you know being in Dubai Uh and seeing nothing but highlights like to come to Canada in 2002. And then all I was seeing was all this negativity about Vince. I I didn't get it. Yeah. Um, and then I'm seeing stuff about the parking spot and I'm like, why do they care? (laughs) (laughs) Yo,
0: That's the the smallest thing to be worrying about,
1: man. Uh. Uh, Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. I mean, thankfully the organization's in a lot better shape now. Mm Um, and, you know they, they they recognize that there's moments to treat stars like stars and there's moments to that everyone's got a to band together and I think they do a great job of managing that and, um, that's why I think they're a great happy bunch uh, of defending champions right
0: now yeah and you know um, sometimes you know uh, good karma like it comes around you know because uh, what 18 years later the raptors are in game 7 against philly this time in toronto and very very close game really the score is very close too cuz game 7 last year was 92-90 this game 87 uh to 88 um mm-hmm. and then yeah you know you get you get the reactions in reverse uh recently um someone on the timeline put out um a video <laughs> of sixers fans because I've seen so many reaction videos of the shot from Raptor fans. There was a really right. good compilation that the Global Mail made of just fans all over Canada and their reactions. And it's so wonderful. And I loved watching all those videos um, from the Raptor side. But, I, I, yeah, I was reminded of how it was from the the Sixers' side. And, uh, you know, it, it's good. You know, it's fair. Now, now, now Toronto and Philadelphia are even. Plus, we got Kyle Lowry. So, um, yeah, no beef at all with Philly anymore, man. Just just, just mb's a fraud, but, you know, whatever. Yep, I'm yeah. with you on that. <laughs> yeah, um, cool. All right, V, thanks for doing this pod. Um, do you have, since you're a, a, a diehard longtime Raptor fan, is there a classic game that you would recommend um, that I should also check out? Oh, man,
1: a classic game to
0: check out. It doesn't always have to be on this scale. Like, obviously, look. the first one I did was Jordan, the, the win over Jordan's Bulls, and then this game against Philly. Like, um, obviously, those are two of the most memorable and significant games in franchise history. It could right. be something simpler, like, I don't know, the Daniel Marshall 12 threes game or some shit like that. So, anyway. So, with- one of my personal favorites is uh,
1: from the Chris Bosch era, the game where the Raptors were in Boston and. They just, they, they, I think they had like a 50 40 90 night. Oh, really? Um, heck, they might have had a 60 40 night, oh, 90 wow. night. Um, and they played incredibly well in Boston. Mm. This was when, you know, all those Bosch KG comparisons were being made. And, you know, the, this was that Celtics team. And there was one play towards the end of the third quarter where Jose's bringing the ball down the court and the Celtics are on a run. And, KG is just barking uh, at him the yep. whole
0: way. Yep. Yeah, He's yeah, on all fours, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And, and then Jose ends up having an assist to, I mean, I, I want to say Anthony Parker might have been Jason Capono or someone okay. who, who hits a three. Um, and then Jose just tells him to shut up and go back to the bench kind of thing. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs>
0: okay. And the Raptors end
1: up winning that game. So <laughs> that that is a personal favorite of mine. Um, if that's available somewhere, I would definitely go back and watch that one.
0: Right. I, by the way, I found this game. So, the, the way you describe it, it sounds like the Raptors blew them out. And when you look at the shooting percentages, the Raptors shot 58% from the field. They shot 71% from three. They shot 15 of 21. Um, Carlos Delfino, big game, five threes off the bench. And they shot 19 of 19 from the free throw line. And yet, and yet, the Raptors won this game by two. <laughs> How is that possible, man? Okay.
1: Yeah, wow. I mean,
0: that's what happens when you play in Boston, though. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, that's um, what you got to do to win in Boston. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna track this thing down. It's, it's a little hard, yeah. admittedly, to get video of full games, um, you know, from before 2012. But definitely, we'll right. put this on the list and check it out. And, and listeners, if you have any classic games, um, classic Raptor games, win or loss, whatever, just any significant ones that come to mind for you. Uh, let me know on Twitter uh, at William underscore Lou you can either uh, message me just mention me or uh, direct message I'll, I'll check and uh, yeah so B big thanks to you for coming on the second ever classic Raptors reaction podcast uh, what do you want to plug what do you, you want to say to the listeners before uh, we sign off
1: I'm doing my usual thing at Complex so you can check out my work there um, besides that man props to you you're doing your thing I love all the pods that you put out, all the content. So just keep doing that, man. Appreciate
0: you. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. And uh, yeah, be back next week with more podcast content. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.